0: Good morning, morning, everybody. Shall we worship together? Would you like to sing
1: with us, please? And one, two, three.
0: trust in you a shield for those who trust in you everything will fade everything will fade the heavens and the earth will pass away but you will remain yes you will remain
1: Good morning. Good morning. It's so good to see you as we gather to worship and welcome in the ninth month of the year. There will be a women's retreat September 16th and 17th. For more information, contact Rebecca Sweet. Our communion offering for today benefits the Methodist missionary Kristen Schlick. Operation Christmas Child boxes are available in the NorthX for $2 each. The scripture reading this morning is Mark 13 verses 24 to 31. But in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time people will see the son of man coming in clouds with great power and glory and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As citizens, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The word of God for the people of God. All right, let us pray. Loving God, we gather today to praise you, to tell you of your love, and to give you thanks. We thank you especially this morning for the blessings of liberty and the freedom to assemble and worship you, the only God. Open our hearts and our understanding today as we listen to and meditate upon your scripture. Teach us to walk in faith that your kingdom might be made known to all of us. Fill us with your love and grace as we celebrate communion this day. May we leave here reflecting your light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: At this time, I'd like to invite the kiddos forward. And while they're coming up, I'd like to just give out a general reminder that we're always looking for volunteers for our children's ministry to come hang out with us in the morning. Even when we don't have that many kiddos, having another adult from the congregation that they don't see every week is hugely beneficial to them. They get to see their church family and they get to hear from the wisdom of other people besides Miss Jessie. And I know they love that. Also, if you're looking ahead to Trunk or Treat, we will be having it this year. It will happen in Old Town Holotus. We're partnering with the Bluffs at Old Town Holotus and there'll be more information about that coming out. So stay posted. The last one is that our... Children's Performance Ministry, Hill City Kids Alive, will be starting up again next Sunday from 1215 to 1245. It is open to, we're going to raise the age to third grade and above because it is a lot to do. And we're going to be focusing on our creative movement that we were doing before we had to close down because of evil COVID. So we would love to have more kiddos come out and do that with us. It's Sundays at 1215 in the Fellowship Hall. But if my kiddos want to come forward, we'll do the children's sermon. I see you. Do you want to come up here? Come on up. Hi, how are you today? Are we good? Is everybody good? Are we all awake? Yeah? So, last week was a weird week. If you were here in the morning, right? There was stuff going on. We didn't have AC and everybody was sad. And we had to do a different type of worship service and it ended up being really cool. But one of the things that we didn't do in first service is have a children's sermon, right? We stayed outside and explored the church grounds and God's creation. I know we found a cicada coming out of its shell last week, right? And that was pretty cool, two of them coming out of their shells. But in second service, we got to talk about this guy named Habakkuk, right? The prophet with a really funny name. And his story is, and his book in the Bible, is a conversation between him and God. And it talks about Habakkuk's complaining about, you know, God's people have strayed away from God. And he's like, God, why aren't you doing anything? And God's response to him is, I'm going to do something. I made a promise to my people if they kept my laws and kept their promises to me that I would always take care of them, right? But they're breaking their promise to me. They're not keeping my laws. And now I have to get them back to me, which means that they're going to have to deal with being put in time out, right? Deal with a punishment. The same way that a, a parent would make sure that a child is growing up in the right way and learning the right things. That's what God does to us. And that's what Habakkuk taught us. We are focusing this month a lot on, prophets. And prophets are people who spoke God's word to others. This Today we're going to be talking about Amos, who is another minor prophet in the Bible. And Amos's story is very similar to Habakkuk's. He is a prophet at a time when Israel is doing really well. They're having a really good time. They're at peace. They have a whole bunch of trade coming in. Everybody is getting rich. Well, sort of. See, they were living in what we would call a gilded age today. We had one similar in the 1920s here in the United States, and you might learn about it in school. But what was happening is that the rich were getting richer during this time, and the poor were getting poorer, and they were being mistreated by those who had the power and had the wealth. And Amos is seeing this, and he speaks out against it. So his book is about injustice. Have you guys heard that term before? It's about not doing what is fair. That's what injustice is, forgetting to be fair, right? And if you read through God's word, there's a whole lot about being fair in there, right? Jesus taught us to be kind to others, to treat others the way we want to be treated, right? That would be what, That's being fair, right? If I want to be treated fairly, I need to treat others fairly. I need to share. I need to be kind. I need to not take things that aren't mine, right? Those are all things that I would call fair, It's one of those words that you can apply a lot of different explanations to, and that's what Amos focuses on. Amos was just a regular guy. He wasn't famous in any way. He was just a shepherd, and during the time that he lived, the king had outlawed. Things were so good. He said, we don't need prophets anymore always getting us down, telling us that we're doing bad things, so I'm going to outlaw prophets. And he got away from God. He allowed other religions to come in, and the Israelites were worshiping other gods. And as they started doing that stuff, as they invited sin into their lives and evil into their lives that way, things got worse and worse, right? The injustices that they allowed to happen as God's people got worse and worse. And that's what Amos spoke out against. He was telling his people that you need to Follow God's commandments, but it's not just those 10 that he summarized for us, right? If we read through the Old Testament, there's a lot of commandments in there that aren't null and void just because God gave us the 10. And they're not null and void just because Jesus came and died for our sins. Those commandments still matter because if we read through Jesus' story, he quotes them, he tells us about them, and he lives them. Things like making sure that the poor in your area are taken care of, That's in the Bible. Things like making sure that widows and orphans have a place and aren't aren't scared, aren't alone, aren't struggling. That's in the Bible. Those are things that Jesus upheld in his ministry. And so when Amos is talking about following what is right and seeking justice, he says something that stands out to me. Right? He says a couple of times, seek the Lord and live. Seek the Lord and live. Meaning if we seek out God's path for us. We're going to always find salvation, right? If we run away from the things that God's told us to do, we're going to find bad stuff. That's where we find the sin and the evil and the things that get us all stuck, right? They get us stuck and we can't move forward. But if we follow God's paths, the things that he's told us to do, if we look to Jesus as our example on how we should live and treat others, well, then we're going to be golden and we're going to have a real gilded age to live through because we'll be living up in heaven with him. Will you all pray with me? Can we bow our heads, fold our hands, close our eyes? Say, Dear God, you have shown us love and compassion for others. Help us to remember to treat others the same way. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to invite everybody to exit out for spark worship.
3: Good morning. Good to see all of you here this morning. The first Sunday of September. Wow, already. Well, as Jesse said in the children's sermon, we're going to talk about Amos this morning, and going on an hour series on prophets and, or a few of the prophets. Uh, We're not going to cover all of the prophets at this particular in the next uh, month or so, but we're still going to cover a few others. Amos. There's dispute between biblical scholars. Amos may have been the first prophet that was written down. And it might have been Joel, but they're not really sure. One of the fun things about Amos is is Amos was a prophet, but he wasn't a prophet in the sense of that was his full vocation, right? And he tells us that, and we'll talk about that in a minute. There are really three themes that run throughout the book of Amos. Amos is a book of nine chapters and as always I encourage all of you to go and read the whole thing because this morning will be pretty much a brief overview as far as that goes. But Amos is a a book of nine chapters. Like I said there are three main topics that he talks about. Social justice, True worship and the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord, which Sharon read about a little bit out of Mark's gospel a few minutes ago. And Jesus was talking about it. The day when Jesus will return and everybody will have a smile on their face. I trust, right? It's the way it should be. You can really also break the book down. I guess I'm hung up on threes this morning into three really subsections. The first two chapters of Amos, Amos is speaking against the nations, specifically the nations that surround Israel. In fact, if you, if you looked at a map, as he names out all of these nations, and by the way, he names out, guess how many? Seven. But it's a good guess, you know. If if you're ever asked a guessing game for numbers in the Bible, you know, the good choices are three, seven, forty. That's a you know that's that's a good one. You can you can hardly go wrong there. And Amos uses this theme of sevens repetitively throughout his book because seven is God's number for perfection. Right, things are completed in sevens. And so he, he named seven nations, including including Judah. Because remember, at this time, and what is this time? This this time is approximately the middle of the eighth century B.C. Amos says there of in the year of the earthquake, which we think was about 750 BC. Uh, the earthquake is alluded to elsewhere in the Bible as well. So Amos here, let's say, giving seven sixty-two or so, he spoke in the time of King Jeroboam the second of Israel and King Uzziah of Judah. Remember, we've got two two separate kingdoms now going on. So. The first two chapters of Amos, he brings judgment, or he talks about all the things about the nations surrounding Israel, and then he gives like a triple whammy to Israel itself. It sounds like he's just coming down on all the nations around Israel, but then he really comes down hard on Israel. Chapters 3, 4, 5, and 6 are... In fact, the whole book of Amos is really uh, pretty much Hebrew poetry. And, and these are poems about the things that are wrong in Israel and where they've, where they've gone astray. And then chapters 7 through 9 are visions. They're visions about what's going to happen in the future. And, and we have such scenes as locusts and fire... And the day of the Lord so this morning as always I want us to make Amos apply to Jesus because again as Jesus told Cleopas and the other disciple on the road to Emmaus everything in the Old Testament was pointing to him and was about him and in fact I think Amos himself is a very 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 good picture Of much of what Jesus did represent. The word Amos in Hebrew means burden bearer, right? Burden bearer. Does that sound familiar? Didn't Jesus say something like in uh, Matthew chapter 11, something like, come unto me all you who are burdened and heavy laden and I will give you rest, I will give you rest, right? That's what he said. I want to start out by reading the Scripture for today that I, that I chose out of Amos. But Amos has so many good Scriptures. And remember, from what Sharon read a few minutes ago, Jesus talked about a fig tree. And he specifically talked about the summertime in that particular passage. And there's a, there's a passage here... In Amos chapter 8, where he's talking about a vision of summer fruit. That's what's going on. In fact, if you, if you read Amos 8 verse 1, it says, This is what the Lord God showed me, a basket of summer fruit. Our scripture reading for this morning is chapter 8 verses 9 through 12. Consider the word of the Lord. On that day, says the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feasts into mourning and your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on all lawns and baldness on every head. I will make it like the morning for an only son, and the end of it like a bitter day. The time is surely coming, says the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or a thirst for water but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro seeking the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God whose word lasts forever. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. Amen. Well, I want to start out at the beginning and then skip down a few chapters. At the beginning, Amos says what? He says he's a uh, herdsman, a shepherd in the town of Tekoa. Tekoa is about nine miles south of Jerusalem, and that's where Amos was from. And as I said, and he tells us, I said I was going to skip forward, in chapter 7 verse 14, Amos says, I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet. I'm a herdsman and a keeper of, depending upon your translation, sycamore trees or fig trees. That's what I do, okay? We're going to celebrate, or we are, I guess I say, celebrating Labor Day this weekend, right? I think it's so, so important that all of us remember that whatever our vocation is, we are still called to shine God's light into the rest of the world. Amos was not a particularly educated man, it doesn't seem. He, he kept sheep, and he raised fig trees. But he was faithful to God and to God's call. Now also, in this, in this light, and thinking about this, I want us to remember that work is a blessing, right? Work is a blessing from God. Have you all ever thought about this? Some people consider work drudgery, right? If you consider work drudgery, you probably ought to get other work. You know, it's the way I look at it. And, and, and I mean that. I mean that with all my heart. Uh, I, I, I really do. Work should, work should be something that uh, we enjoy and look forward to, Okay? But work started before the fall. Work is not a result of the fall, as many things are that we see around us. God gave us work in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 says what? It says, Hashem, the Lord God, put the man in the garden to work it and take care of it. Right? So work's a blessing. And we should all go about our work with a smile on our face, like I, I, I'm thinking about the Seven Dwarfs, right? We, could, we 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 really should, we really should whistle while we work, you know. It's it's something that all of us should do, and I and I think I think Amos did it. Now now, Amos, as I just said, was from Tekoa, which was which is a little bit south of Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Right, But he went and prophesied in Israel, against Israel. In fact, we think most of the things that he wrote down, he, he pronounced at Bethel. Bethel and Samaria. Y'all remember Samaria. Samaria, Jesus went through, and in John chapter 4, that's where Jesus talks to the woman at the well, and, and again, talks about water. Funny. In Samaria, y'all remember... And After the kingdom split, the first first king of Israel after the split was Jeroboam, right? Rehoboam was the first king of Judah. Right now, during Amos' time, we're in the reign of Jeroboam II, and this was a great time. Jeroboam II was a tremendous military leader. Israel and Judah both stood as, as high as they ever got in international standing except during the reign of Solomon uh, at this particular time. So everybody was, you know, fat, dumb, and happy, right, going on about their deals. And Amos said one day, you know, I've had enough. These people have to know what's going on. And he went and prophesied against Jeroboam. But remember, he was a shepherd. And of course, we all know who else was a shepherd, right? There are a lot of shepherds. There's also also a very interesting passage in Mark chapter 3 that I think sounds very, very similar to what Amos said here in Amos chapter 7 verse 14 Mark chapter 3 remember Jesus was in Nazareth Jesus was in Nazareth this is analogous to what's in Luke chapter 4 the, uh, this is this is Mark's view of it and somebody said isn't this the carpenter now the bible says carpenter and that's where we get all this you know but but The word there is really, the word not is really, the word in Greek is tecton. It's the same root that we get words like technology from. And what it really means is builder. It means builder. is, Is not this the builder? So we, you know, again, that's a tradition we've fallen into. There's not a whole lot of wood in Nazareth to build things out of. There's a lot of rock, so Jesus probably built more out of rock, as did Joseph, than they ever did out of wood. Is this not the builder? Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph, and list a couple of other siblings there, okay? Jesus came to do the work of the Father. He didn't primarily come as a prophet either. The next section of the book, chapters 3 through 6, Amos is talking about specific things that Israel's done where Israel has really gone astray from what God called Israel to do in the first place. And the centerpiece of this is probably a verse that all of you are familiar with. In fact, I'm sure you're familiar with it because often we read it in the communion liturgy as we will later this morning as we take communion. But it's God talking about the worship of the people of Israel, the worship of the people of Israel. And it says take away from me the noise of your songs. I do not want to hear your harps. But let justice roll down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. God's saying, you know, y'all are doing okay. Jeroboam's done all right. A lot of folks in society are doing well. And you you go and you you go to church and you go to your festivals and everything else, but but you're selling poor people into slavery. You're selling them for as much as a debt, or as small as a debt, I should say, that would be needed to buy a pair of sandals. And then when you take them to court. There's no justice for them there in the courts. God's saying, all your religion is useless if it doesn't cause you to do the right things and to take the right actions. Now, here, here again, we, we, and when I say we in this particular context, I'm talking about those of us in the Western world, we have a very Greek outlook on life. And the Greek outlook on life is we have an idol for justice, right? We have Lady Justice with a blindfold on, right? Holding some scales, right? That's the Greek and, might I add, very much Western concept of justice. Like it's, like it's something out there. Like it's a chair or the floor, it's a noun, right? That's not the Hebrew idea about justice at all. That's not God's idea about justice at all. God's idea is of justice is an action verb. And if you see something wrong, you're supposed to do something about it. You're supposed to do something about it. And Amos is speaking for God, telling the people of Israel, you've got everything you need. But you're still not performing justice. You're not taking care of the things in your society that need to be taken care of. The widows, the orphans, the poor, the strangers. You're not doing it. And God's going to hold you accountable for it because to whom much is given, much is required. Right? So, so God doesn't feel so hot about your, uh, about your uh, worship services. Again, Jesus said the same thing, right, to the scribes and the Pharisees. There's a couple of places he said it, but one of the places he said it was in Mark chapter 7, verse 13. He said, you have revoked the word of God to follow the traditions that you have handed down, right? It's not what goes into you, but what comes out of you that makes you unclean, all right? Righteousness, righteousness always in the Hebrew meaning and the way God set it up has to do with a relationship, right? A relationship. The relationship between us and God and the relationship between us and our neighbors and our neighbors. Then we get to where I read today. We'll skip down to that there in chapter 8 and God says there's going to be a famine of hearing the word of the Lord right and of course we know this happens around 722 the Assyrians come in and take over Israel they come in and take over Israel and I don't imagine they heard many of the words of the Lord while they were under the rule of the Assyrians right under the rule of the Assyrians. But I want us again to place our context alongside the context of what was going on in Bethel and Samaria. You know, Bethel and Samaria, that's where Jeroboam the First, Set up two cows, right? Two golden calves. There was one at Bethel. There was one at Samaria. This is where a lot of the bad blood between the Jews and the Samaritans got started in the first place. But they also had some other idols there. You know the main idols that they were worshiping in Israel at the time of Amos? There were three of them. There was Asheroth, that was That's the goddess of sex is the best way to put it, okay? There was Awat, the god of war, and there was Baal, the god of, they use the word weather a lot, but I'll use the word climate, okay? There was Baal. These were the three things that they basically worshipped in their society. These were the three things that got the judgment of God going against them that Amos had to speak about. Sex, war, and the weather. Hmm. Interesting, interesting things there. But the famine was ended when what? At least when Jesus came, right? in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, there is some hope in the book of Amos. In the very last verses of chapter 9, it compares Israel, this is interesting too, to a building. And the building gets torn down, but God builds it back. God builds it back, the same going along with the new heaven and a new earth and all of that. Or with Jesus when He told the scribes and the Pharisees, "If you destroy this temple, I'll raise it up in three days, right? I'll raise it up in three days." He was talking about his resurrection, of course. So this morning, as we come to the table, as we come to the table, we're to remember Jesus we to remember Jesus who taught us the same things that Amos taught us or told us, that true religion has to do with a relationship with God. And true religion is always, always characterized by righteousness and justice and love for your neighbor. Amen? Please open your hymnals to page 12. And if you're visiting with us this morning, I want you to know that we have open communion here at Lotus Hills United Methodist Church. This is the Lord's table. It's not our table. Everyone is welcome. Christ our Lord invites you to his table, all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. you. Lift up your hearts. made covenant to be our sovereign God and spoke to us through your prophets who looked for that day when justice shall roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. When nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy God, power power, and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. At his ascension, you exalted him to sit and reign with you at your right hand. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now with the confidence of God's children, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Go in peace. And as you go, go with the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the unity of the Holy Spirit. Amen.